0: Welcome to episode number 38 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts com. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about hypocrisy on a few different levels. We're going to be covering a couple things, updates on stories that we have talked about before and see how things have changed since we originally covered them here on the podcast, including the Jussie Smollett case and... Deep fakes, which are in the news again. But let's start with the Disney Corporation coming out and saying that they're going to have a problem making content in the state of Georgia due to the new heartbeat abortion law. And that's great if you want to stand up and take a stand, Disney, but there's a lot of things that this raises more questions then it really gives answers to, including things like Disney partnering in a very large way with communist China, which has been rounding up millions of Muslims and putting them in concentration camps and has a very long history of mistreating their own citizens. But Disney has absolutely no problem doing business with China. They have absolutely no problem making content in other countries like Egypt and the United Arab Emirates, where abortions are either completely illegal or very, very hard to have done. So why is Disney making this stand? It seems like it's a little bit hypocritical. It seems like it's once again, virtue signaling in a way that just sends up the neon sign. It's like it's flashing there where you could just see that what they're saying Has nothing to do with reality. It's nothing more than virtue signaling. And they realize they can do this and try to bully these smaller states. And that's fine. They can take their business elsewhere. That's part of being a free economy. That's part of being a free country. But if Disney is going to continue to invest millions, if not billions of dollars in China, and if they are going to continue to make content in countries, Where abortion is even more limited than Georgia, then I'm gonna start having a whole lot of new questions for them because then that just doesn't seem to make sense. If you're telling me you can't work in Georgia because it offends your sensibilities, because it offends your moral compass, and you just cannot even see doing anything in the state of Georgia because of this, then you have to answer a lot more questions, Disney. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that because this is, again, a knee-jerk reaction to something that is complete and utter bullshit. I mean, come on, Disney. It was bad enough that you've totally screwed up the Star Wars franchise, that you've made it into nothing more than a social justice warrior joke. Can you at least try to find some moral ground that you can stand on and not this quicksand that you're playing in now? Part of the reasons the United States was set up the way it was, Was specifically for these types of things. States can decide to have their own laws. And if you don't like what's going on in one state, you go to another one. You can do business wherever you want. You can live wherever you want. And that is not a bad thing. I'm tired of the liberals wanting to push every one of their agendas down every one of our throats. But the minute something goes against some of their sensibilities, where they think it is bad. Now, all of a sudden, they're the ones out there crying that they want people banned, people silenced, people taken off various social media platforms. The abortion issue to me has always seemed like a very strange thing to hang your hat on. I've never really understood why anybody's battle cry wanted to be killing babies is good. I don't understand it. I understand there are reasons for it at times, and that is a Podcast for another time, but to hang your hat on that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand the left coming out with a woman has a right to do anything she wants to a helpless baby, which well, this bill that's going on in Georgia is the heartbeat bill, which says, now it's a baby. Once there's a heartbeat, that's a baby. You may agree, maybe you don't. It seems like science in this case would be pretty settled if there's a heart there's a life form there. But the left says you can kill that. That's that's helpless. Kill that. No problem whatsoever. But then they don't want a woman to be able to carry a gun to protect herself from an attacker. So I don't get it. Lefties, is it okay to kill things or isn't it okay? I don't understand why committing violence against somebody who is attacking you is bad. But committing the ultimate violence and snuffing out a life of an innocent child, hey, that's cool, that's just choice. You might want to go back to rethinking where you're hanging your head on and what, you're, what you want to be known for. And to me, one of the interesting things about abortions is the number of abortions appears to be going down steadily. In the data that is out there, every year from 2006, to 2015, which was the last stats I could find, every year, the number of abortions in the United States went down. Right now, there's about 150 million women in the United States, females. I guess we won't say women because there's differences in ages and all that. So women that could possibly conceive out of those 150 million, let's just cut that in about half. And say there's about 75 million females in the United States at any given time right now that can actually conceive a child. In 2015, there were 638,000 abortions, which means if you're assuming that nobody had more than one, and that's probably untrue, that puts us still at under 1% of all these women per year are having an abortion. So I don't understand why this is such a rally cry. It's not like something that is going on a spree and the numbers are going up, up and up. It doesn't make any sense to me. You may want to just look under the hood and why people are rallying on the side of more abortions because I don't really, again, understand why anybody wants to hang their hats on killing babies is a good thing. But the numbers don't seem to show that this is any kind of epidemic. This doesn't seem to be something that shows that most people should not be concerned about this. It's not a regular thing that's happening to the average woman on a yearly basis or anything like that. And the other question then becomes why aren't we spending more time and more effort talking about and pushing plans that would keep unwanted pregnancies from happening? Education, in that case, seems to be. A good thing. Let's make sure that we have less abortions going on because education and some very simple things that can be done can cut that number even further. And Disney, a company that's made a lot of its money off children, might want to think about going on the offensive and killing said children. I will never understand that one either, but hey, Disney, way to look like a bunch of assholes. A couple of episodes, we talked about forced diversity and the problems that that causes. And you're seeing this all over the news, different things popping up here and there. Recently now, John Cleese, former Monty Python cast member, comedian, one of the most well-known British comedians ever, is being branded a racist, which is what happens these days. When you have a difference of opinion with people now, it's not a fair sharing of ideas. You're now a racist because you could dare have a difference of opinion from them. Uh, it, he said that the London was not an English city anymore. And rather than giving in to these assholes who, of course, all over social media were blasting him, he doubled down and continued on saying that some years ago, I opined that London was not really an English city anymore. Since then, virtually all of my friends from abroad have confirmed my observation So, there must be some truth in it. I note also that London was the UK city that voted most strongly to remain in the EU. Well, John Cleese, you can't have these kind of thoughts. You can't be a nationalist. You can't be proud of your country. You have to open up your doors to everybody that wants to come in. It doesn't matter that the people that want to come into your country have completely different ways of lives. And they want to change the way of life in the country that they're coming into. And this is what we talked about when we did the episode on this force diversity is that it's fine when somebody wants to come into your country and they want to be a part of your country and they want to become a citizen of your country and respect the laws, not when they want to come in and change everything and they don't like the laws that you have going on and they don't like your way of life. And they don't like the way that you live, and they want to change that. So of course, Cleese was called a xenophobe. He was called all sorts of things, racist and all that. But he followed up. He didn't back down. I give him credit for that. He said it might interest those people who seem to think my remarks about London are racist, as opposed to culturalist, to consider that I what I like about spending time in Nevis. Nevis has excellent race relations. A very well educated population. No sign of political correctness. And I think Cleese makes a very good point. There as he had in the past about political correctness and comedy, and how if you refuse to poke fun at something, how you really are going down that slippery slope to something like a world in the novel 1984. But he makes a really good point when he says that there is a difference between racist and culturalist. That is the point that I was trying to make in the other podcast when we talked about this forest diversity. Is that people, if you're going to live side by side, you have to have something that binds you. You have to believe in the same laws. You have to have the same way of life because otherwise things are just not going to go well. This is, again, why different states can have different laws. If you don't like what's going on in Illinois, I moved to Indiana and a lot of people are. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with different countries having different ways of life, having different cultures to do things in different ways. That's absolutely fine. But it is a folly if you think you're going to be able to put these things together in the same place at the same time and not have problems. There's a difference between respect and compliance and there's a lot of people who don't understand the differences between those like in the abortion debate. It's going down the same road where people are going to have their one-sided viewpoint, and they're never going to listen to the other side. The other side is wrong. The other side is bad. And when this starts happening on multiple different topics and multiple different ways of life, this is where you're going to have World War III. Back in episode number 24, we talked about deep fakes the ability now for technology to fake things like video, audio, a writing style. We we know Photoshop had been around for years and that people could adjust things in and out of a uh, photograph. You could add a person in, take a person out, all sorts of cool things. Well, we talked about deep fakes. We told you all the things that it can do and the different types of that. So go back to episode 24 and get caught up if you haven't heard that. I saw an article about deep fakes in the news on the uh, Drudge Report, so I figured, okay, let's see what's going on with this, and the article about it wasn't anything new. It wasn't anything that we hadn't already discussed in the previous episode, except for the fact that there was mention now that DARPA, which is the Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, is now waging war against these deep fakes. So the government is getting involved here now and they're putting in some money, probably some big bucks in order to try and combat this type of thing because it is a very dangerous thing especially when you're getting into the point to where you're having elections and videos are out there on the internet and we know that videos on the internet are a very dangerous thing. Ask uh, Nancy Pelosi Ask Hillary Clinton lately, they've been going nuts about a video that Facebook refused to take down, which made Nancy Pelosi look like a stuttering, blubbering idiot. And hey, this particular video may have been doctored, but I've seen a lot of videos of Nancy Pelosi where she looks like a complete blubbering idiot. And we also believe that she's got dementia or something like that, because that's been in the news for over the past couple of years. So there's, you don't want to make fun of somebody for that, but at some point you should get out of public office. But in this case, it was a video that was slightly doctored, which maybe made her look a little bit worse than she actually does normally. But this is something that has been going on since the internet gave you the ability to share videos. People have been sharing this kind of stuff. It's nearly impossible to figure out what is real, what has been uh, doctored up a little bit. These deep fakes, which their pornographic deep fakes have been the biggest thing in the news because that's what they've been used for more than anything else. You know, hey, you want to make your ex-girlfriend look like she was doing some really bad stuff. Hey, deep fakes can do that for you. And of course, the problem with fake videos is that they all have consequences, whether they're for one person or whether they could be for a country or the world, depending on What is being fake? So now DARPA has created this new program. The quote, the mission statement from this new media forensics group says DARPA's metaphor program brings together world class researchers to attempt to level the digital imagery playing field, which currently favors the manipulator, by developing technologies for the automated assessment of the integrity of an image or video and integrating these into an end-to-end media forensics platform. If successful, and I think that is a very, very big if, the metaphor platform will automatically detect manipulations, provide detailed information on how these manipulations were performed, and reason about the overall integrity of visual media to facilitate decisions Regarding the use of any questionable image or video. Facilitate decisions regarding the use of any questionable image or video. I'm not really sure I like the way that sounds. I don't know if I'm ever going to believe that somebody's going to come up with the one perfect program, the one perfect way to figure out what has been manipulated and what hasn't. They still haven't come up with a good way to do this, even with the photographs. So it's going to be, I think, even that much harder to figure out things when it comes to video. The way these things are put together, the way things are re encoded, it's not like you have all of the original working files. If you have all the original working files from somebody when they're doing something like a video project, it's really easy to see. That there was a filter that was put on here, that there was something that was overlaid here, there was something changed in this. You know, the software can do all sorts of cool things, as we saw with the Game of Thrones coffee cup thing. Adobe has very simple software. Well, it's very intricate software that works in a very simple way where you just draw a little circle around more or less what you're looking to take out of a video or what you're looking to take out of a photograph. And the machine does a very good job, most of the time, figuring out what it should look like underneath where the image, the part of the image that you're taking out is. And most of the time, people will never be able to figure out that something was changed. It can also add parts of an image. I use this all the time when you're looking to make, say, a wallpaper for a computer monitor, But the photograph you want to use isn't the exact right size, but it's close. So you just, you know, kind of select the two sides. You put the picture in the size that you need. You select the rest of that frame, which to make it fit your monitor. And you just tell the software, boom, do your magic. Give me a content aware fill. And the job that it can do is quite scary. So the ability that they think they're going to be able to start figuring this stuff out is dubious at best. I mean, I hope they do for certain reasons, but I also hope they don't because the the problem you're going to run into then is the good fake videos are going to be the ones that are allowed to stay up and everybody's going to think that they're real and the fake videos that they can figure out doing air quotes. I know, again, that doesn't work on podcasts, but those videos then will be taken down and deemed fake. And I don't think you could ever get to 100% and trusting this kind of technology to make those decisions. I really don't believe we're going to get there. I mean, these things that's mainly used right now for like revenge porn, and it's really easy to figure this one out because most of the time somebody's taking a a porno that was already released and they're putting somebody else's face on top of the actress. 99.9% of the times that is what's going on with these deep fake porn. And you can go And have a machine look for similar images and you can match these two things up. It starts getting very tricky when you have somebody that is actually making professional video to then overlay somebody's face on because then you can't go find it. And you really start going down a rabbit hole if you're going to start believing somebody that claims they're able to decipher whether the video you're watching is real or not. I will say that the concepts that they're talking about are interesting, though. It says DARPA's Media Forensics Group, also known as Metaphor, began soliciting applications in 2015. It launched in 2016 and is funded through 2020. For the project, SRI International will work closely with researchers at the University of Amsterdam and with the Biometric Security and Privacy Group of the Idiot Research Institute in Switzerland, and this is all coming from a TechCrunch article. It says that the research group is focusing on four techniques to identify the kind of audio visual discrepancies that are present in a video that's been tampered with, including lip sync analysis, speaker inconsistency detection, scene inconsistency detection, meaning room size and acoustics. And identifying frame drops or content insertions. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. I just don't believe, no matter what is done, somebody that is looking to produce a video that can fool these kind of things, especially if there's money behind it and a little bit of time, I think it's still gonna be nearly impossible to figure out which one of these videos are real and which ones of these videos are fake. And it's, again, as we talked about in episode 24, with the next election coming up, question every video you see popping up on Twitter, because, again, most of the stuff we're seeing online is in social media, is very short form, is never known for its great video or audio quality. And people are just used to crappy audio and video when it comes to a lot of these clips. So the crappier this stuff is, the easier it is to fake. So always ask yourself, is this, is this really real? Verify it somewhere else. Always question where these things start and where they came from. And you'll be, I think, much better off just using common sense than worrying about a computer program to tell you what's real and what is not. And where's the hypocrisy in this story? Well, it's, Great when somebody does it to your political enemies, i.e., Trump, but it's horrible when they do it to Hillary or Nancy or one of those. So it is amazing how quick people will go down the wrong rabbit hole. There was a professor within this last week that came up with a completely fabricated quote from Donald Trump, posted on Twitter. A bunch of the usual unhinged blue checkmark brigade retweeted it, commented how horrible Trump was. And then the professor admitted that it was a made-up quote. He was just saying, well, you see how easy it was for people to believe Trump would really say this? Well, yeah, because assholes like you lie and post this kind of stuff with regularity. So I don't know what he thought he was proving with that little experiment, but the end result is that people are stupid and will believe anything they see, which then go back to fake videos, fake audio, and why we're all totally, totally screwed. Another story that I saw this week that I thought was interesting, and this doesn't go with a fake video, but a real video, a 16-year-old girl in Maryland is facing child porn charges for making a sex video of herself. She was with a boy. She was performing an oral act. She videoed it and sent it to some of her friends because I guess that's what kids do today. I don't quite understand it, but parents again, sit down and talk to your idiot kids and explain to them the bad things that can happen with the cell phone that you bought them, which was probably way too expensive and they didn't deserve in the first place. Uh, then they're going to be facing felony charges if they do something stupid like this. The special court of appeals has already upheld this conviction. And it ruled that the consensual nature of the sex in question was irrelevant. The fact that it was not an illegal act to perform also irrelevant. Taking a video of the act and sending it to other people constituted distribution of child pornography according to the court's decision. The court wrote, The First Amendment to the United States Constitution did not protect conduct of a minor who distributed a digital video file of herself engaged as a subject in consensual sexual conduct. And a lot of people are freaking out about this and asking, well, how can they dare charge a kid because this law was put into place for the children? The law was put into place to protect the children. So how can you dare charge her with this crime? Well, the bottom line is the crime was committed. You don't get the chance to have an exclusion because you're part of the group. That was supposedly trying to be protected when the law came out in the first place. I mean, I feel bad for this girl because obviously, really stupid decision to do this. But if we're gonna start allowing this and say, well, it's okay for a 16 year old girl to videotape herself in all sorts of sexual acts and put that out there, distribute that video, well, things are gonna get really hairy at that point depending on who gets that video, if she's monetizing it. Well, this would pretty much open up that any girl under the age of 18 could then make videos of herself, distribute it. It's illegal for anybody that gets it, but she can't be held responsible for putting it out there. It doesn't make sense. The girl's attorney, public defender Claudia Cortese, argued that the statute in question was not intended to Punish minors for being featured in pornographic materials, but rather to protect them. Punishing the girl, as the state law has attempted to do, she said, is cruel and authoritarian. Well, the difference here is that she wasn't being featured in pornographic material that somebody else forced her to do or that somebody else produced. This is her own making. So you have a real problem here because in this case, the underage girl needs to be protected from herself. So how do you do that? I don't know. Again, I look at bad parenting and parents giving kids cell phones who probably don't deserve to have cell phones because they're complete and utter morons. In an article about this in Reason.com, the writer Robbie Soave, S-O-A-V-E, said that It is draconian to charge a 16-year-old girl with trafficking in child pornography because she willingly filmed herself performing oral sex. Upholding her conviction would set a disturbing precedent. What's the disturbing precedent? You're keeping child pornography out of the world. Isn't that what you want? I mean, are you really making the case that anybody under the age of 18 should be allowed to make produce and distribute their own sexually explicit videos without any risk of punishment, because I think that's going to open up a whole different door. And I don't think people realize where that would go either. I hope this girl gets the help she needs. I hope maybe she's getting some counseling and maybe some better parents or people that can sit down with her and tell her maybe why this isn't a good thing. But I think you start running into a very dangerous thing when you start adding exceptions to any laws. You can't say you can't put out a video of somebody under the age of eighteen doing that unless you're under the age of eighteen, because then what if the kid making the video that put it out was fifteen and she was sixteen, but she didn't know it was getting out? Are you going to charge him with child porn? Well, yes, probably because it's not him. So is it only okay if it's you? I don't know. It's confusing as many of the laws in this country are that don't seem to be straight up. They don't seem to make a lot of sense. As we've talked about before, there's a lot of states in the United States where an adult can fuck a 16 or 17 year old person. And that's perfectly legal. But if you take a picture of you doing it well, or even a picture of them naked, then you've got a felony on your hands. So maybe we want to look at the laws in this country. And we really want to figure out when adulthood starts, When childhood ends, because I would probably make the case that this girl should not be treated as a child at this point at the age of 16, because she's performing oral sex on somebody else, videoing it and putting it out there. It sounds like a very adult thing to do to me. Otherwise, kids are just either having way too much fun or just way too stupid. And I either missed out on everything or I I got away clean without doing anything quite this stupid as a kid. I mean, I didn't have the technology to do this when I was that age. So I guess I can't really say what I would or wouldn't have done. But I think I still had enough brains and enough logic that would tell me there are certain things you don't want to make public. And I think that is one of the biggest problems we have with kids today. And everything they do in their life is going to follow them by what they have written what they have said, and videos they've taken, and Godspeed, kids, uh, I don't even want to know where the world's going to be in 20 years. But I think it is a bit of hypocrisy to say that somebody can do this and others can't, even though this is the group that was supposed to be protected. Laws get sticky, and not everything is always black and white, as we're seeing, and maybe in the ultimate hypocrisy case of the week, Jussie Smollett, who was I can't use the word cleared of, but escaped from being charged with faking a hate crime here in the beautiful city of Chicago. I appreciate the fact now that the police are releasing all of these records, including text messages between the two brothers, everything that is coming out. And it's an interesting thing. Go find these records. Go look at them. It says uh, in an article here on the blaze. In the months leading up to the incident, Smolette exchanged texts with the two brothers seeking to purchase drugs from them, including ecstasy, marijuana, and cocaine. He paid them for the drugs using PayPal and Venmo. So, hey, there's some good product placement there for PayPal and Venmo. But then a conspicuous text message occurred in January when Samolet texted the brothers, quote, might need your help on the low you around to meet up and talk face to face. After that message, it says he picked up one of the brothers, drove to their apartment where they then conducted a practice run of the hoax. But this is the ultimate in hypocrisy. But we're used to this kind of stuff in the city of Chicago where you can buy your way out of trouble because you're black and gay. Oh my God. And you have friends in the Obama camp. Well, We can't have these things. We can't have you prosecuted. No, you're anti-Trump. You pushed the narrative that it was a bunch of white MAGA hat wearing racists that came and beat you up. We can't we can't have you look like the bad person, can we? No, that's the ultimate in hypocrisy going on, at least this week. I'm sure there will be more. So stay tuned to the Random Thoughts podcast, because I'm sure it's something we'll be covering again. And I hope you've been enjoying what you're hearing here on the Random Thoughts podcast here again in episode number 38. It's interesting to be able to look back at things that we've already talked about and see how they've progressed. If you like what you're hearing, feel free to reach out to us. And even if you don't, at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B podcast. And my Twitter account is at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. And if you really like what you're hearing, feel free to go to our website, randomthoughts.com, and click the donate button. Anything is appreciated to help us keep the lights on, the microphones humming, and the audio gear in tip-top shape. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Until next time, I'm Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.